As I said earlier, uh, this morning we are starting a new series called Following Jesus. And uh, we're going to do that by looking at what is considered probably the greatest teaching that Jesus gave. It was the first recorded teaching that we had in any of the Gospels. Uh, it's what we now call the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to spend the next weeks, probably uh, months, walking verse by verse looking at what the Sermon on the Mount teaches about us following Jesus Christ, what that looks like in a practical and real way. And the Sermon on the Mount was given as an example for believers uh, of something to aspire to, something to strive to through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to unpack all of that, the Beatitudes in chapter 5 and then all of the various teachings in chapter 6 and 7. So I hope that you'll stay with us throughout this study. I believe it'll be challenging and I believe it'll encourage you. But before we get to the Sermon on the Mount, this morning I wanted to build a bridge to help us understand more about it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago on our July the 4th message, on July the 3rd for the July 4th weekend, I, I shared a message from Galatians chapter 5, and I want to read you that passage, chapter 5, verse 1. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And we discovered that Paul was fighting a, a heresy in the early church that was legalistic in its nature. It was legalism. And here in the book of Galatians, he takes four chapters to, to confront legalism. Because you see, legalism in, in Paul's day was early believers trying to bring over their Old Testament traditions and add it with Jesus. They were saying to be a believer, you had to be circumcised like you did to be a part of the Old Covenant. To be a believer, you had to follow these dietary rules. To be a believer, you had to follow certain Old Testament traditions. And what Paul was trying to teach them is that adding anything to Jesus, adding anything to receiving Jesus as your Lord, was not biblical. It, it abuses the grace and the mercy because we're not saved of what we do. We're not saved from our works. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ through grace. And what Paul was trying to encourage them with is that legalism just binds you up again. You've been set free from all of that. The Bible teaches we've been set free from the law. We've been set free from sin. been set free from death. We've been set free from the punishments and the condemnations of sin. And what they were doing was by adding all of these other rituals and rules is they were restricting their freedom. Now, we learned a couple of weeks ago, we may not necessarily follow some of those legalistic tendencies, but we do the same thing today. We, we add our own rules to replace the rules they had. We say, if you're a Christian, you have to dress a certain way, or you have to look a certain way, or you have to read a certain interpretation of the Bible, or you have to vote a certain way, or you have to go to certain denominations. And so we add all of these things on to what it means to be a Christian, and instead of being free, we become back into bondage. And what that does, the problem with legalism is it hinders our relationship to God. You can't worship God freely. You can't serve God freely if you are involved in a legalistic relationship because you see what you do is you come to church because you think you have to. You come to church because you think God's going to be mad if you don't. You, you read the Bible or you give or you write a check or you serve in a ministry because you think it's something you have to do because God is forcing you to do it. God doesn't want you to do things because you think you have to. He wants you to do them because you want to. He wants you to do them because you love Him, because you've been set free to serve Him out of the freedom of your heart. Now, as Paul is looking at this and talking about this, 
He is encouraging them to stand in their freedom. But there was another false heresy, another false teaching that was rising up in the church that was just as bad as legalism. And it finds itself on the other extreme. It it abuses spiritual freedom, but instead of legalism, it goes the other way. And it is the term license. Now license, that word, is the same word that we have that you get when you turn 16 or 18 or you finally pass the test and go get a piece of paper that says you're allowed to drive. Uh, The word comes from the Latin word licer, which means permit. If you had to take a literal interpretation of, of what it means to have a license, license means to grant permission to do something. But in theological terms, like legalism, license abuses grace. License abuses freedom. And my fear is that while we still struggle with legalism in the church, and we still struggle with doing things out of a legalistic tendency, there is a great, uh, a far greater worry of people living a life of license and not experiencing what God has for them in their life. Now, as we're going to talk about following Jesus If you are struggling with legalism, if you are struggling with spiritual license, you will never follow Jesus out of the simplicity and purity of devotion of your heart. You'll do it simply out of guilt. You'll do it simply out of condemnation. And so this morning, for a few minutes, I want to talk about what this idea of license is and how it's destroying Christians in the church relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, Paul addresses it here in Galatians 5. After he's been talking about legalism, down in verse 13, he goes to the other extreme. And listen to what he says. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. For the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You see, while some struggle with legalism, many go to the other extreme, which is uh, license. And what license says is, because I've been set free, because I've been forgiven, because I now have grace, I can live however I want. Because I've been free, because God forgives me, I can, I can give in to anything that my heart desires. I can do whatever I want. I can uh, give in to my passions knowing that God is going to forgive me. I used to see this all the time in young adults and teenagers and immature believers. We say, well, uh, it doesn't matter what I do because I'm already forgiven. It doesn't matter how I live because God says uh, I have grace. Listen, grace is not a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's not something that you just play whenever you decide that you've been doing something bad. But you see, license abuses the spiritual freedoms we have in Christ by instead of allowing us the freedom to live for Christ, we live for ourselves. And you see, you've been set free from living for yourself. And what license does, Paul says, is it abuses what God did on the cross. It abuses the restraints that God puts in our life. And many believers have gotten into this trap of believing that it doesn't really matter how you live. As long as you come down and sign a card or get baptized or say that you're a believer... You can live however you want. That's why we live in a nation where if you take a survey, 82% say they're Christians. Well, if 82% of our nation is Christians, where is the example? Where is the the change? Where is the revival? Where are we seeing lives and, and communities being changed by those that are supposed to be following Christ? 
We're not, because what we've done over the years is we've, uh, this idea of easy believism is that all you've got to do is sign a card and, and, and you won't go to hell and you can live however you want. And, and while that is unfortunate, what it does is it robs people of the joy of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we have a lot of people, what, what, what it does is it creates a cycle where we use grace as if it's some kind of magic eraser. And so people go out and believers and they live however they want during the week and they come to church and they think if they say a couple of magic words, everything is okay and then go back and live the way they want before. Now you see what that does is not only does it make a mockery of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, it robs you of the power of God. It robs you of experiencing all that God has for you as a believer. Because you see, if God calls us to be more than that, God calls us to step beyond that. License says, since I've already been forgiven, I can live with no consequences. I hear teenagers say, what does it matter if I sin? I've already been forgiven. You can even go to the other extreme. I hear people say, well, you know, I've already blown it. I've already made mistakes. And so, so you know, what good is it for me to go back and change now? I've already, I, I might as well just keep down this path. What that does is that ignores the power of sin and how sin destroys us. Paul warns us here in Galatians that when you buy into that lie, when you buy into that trap, you are starting down a very dangerous road. So just a couple of things to remember this morning from what Paul is saying. First of all, spiritual freedom is never a license to sin. It's never a license to sin. We were set free from ourselves, from sin, not for sin. The Bible says you were set free from the power of sin so that it no longer had a control over you. You see, when you accepted Jesus Christ before you were a believer, you couldn't help sinning. That's why I always laugh when believers get mad at sinners sinning. You know, we see things on TV and we see these people that are living their lives full of sin and say, I can't believe they're doing it. Listen, that's part of the job description. Sinners will sin. But the moment you accept Jesus Christ, you are no longer bound to sin. Jesus' death and His blood broke that curse. So now if you sin, you are sinning because you choose to sin. And when you choose to sin, that sin still has a destructive nature in your life. Even though you're forgiven, even though you are under the grace of God, even though you are now a child of God, sin still has consequences. You see, the Bible says that you are saved for a purpose beyond your own. But what, what license does, and the same thing that legal does, legalism, is it places what you want in the middle. It places the spotlight on you. You see, license says, I want to do what's fun for me. I want to do what pleases me. I want to do whatever I think is right. What legalism does is legalism says, I'm the one who makes myself spiritual. If I, if I do certain things, come to church, dress a certain way, give so much money, serve, then I become more spiritual. And neither of those things are true because all of that took place at the cross. And it had nothing to do with you and everything to do with him. But license has become rampant in our nation. It's become rampant in the church. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. For we are dead to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? 
You see, the idea that you can go and live however you want and not worry about the consequences goes against everything that Jesus stood for. Romans 6.15 says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. We are set free. See, we have been set free. But too many people live their freedoms as an excuse to continue in their same lifestyle. You have been called to change. You have been called to be something bigger, to do something better. The problem with license, I want you to listen. The problem with living your life and, and saying that God is going to forgive me anyway, uh, going out, and, and here, here there is a difference between sinning and a lifestyle of sin. All of us sin, okay? Every one of you in this room has sinned. I sinned. Some of us did it today, but when we were coming to church, some of you did it as you were walking in. We all sin. We struggle with that. We will continue to sin until we stand before Jesus Christ and are given new bodies because this flesh sins. But we've given the power to overcome that sin. A lifestyle of sin is what happens when we sin, and instead of turning from that sin, we allow that sin to begin to control us, and it becomes not just one sin, it becomes who we are. So you tell one lie, you cheat one time, you sinned. You begin to continue to cheat, and all of a sudden you become a cheater, and that sin has you, and that sin begins to control you, and you are now living in a lifestyle of sin. doesn't mean you lose your salvation. What it means is you lose the power of God to make a difference in your life, and it hinders your relationship to God. You see, when you sin, God doesn't, and I've heard people say this before, God turns his back on you. No, God doesn't turn his back on you when he sins. You're his child. Do you turn your back on your child when they blow it or they make a mistake? No. But what happens is when you sin, you be place barriers like a brick between you and God. And the more bricks you place between you and God, the harder it is for you to hear Him and for you to sense His presence. That's why when we come to church and you say, my prayers just don't seem to go anywhere. My, you know, I'm not seeing the power of God in my life. We read these stories and say, where is the power of God? It's not because God is holding back his power. It's not because God is not listening to your prayers and responding. It's because you've allowed sin to become a barrier between you and God to the point that you can't hear him anymore. You don't sense his presence. And you see what license, when we live our life saying, I can just live however I want, is we fail to recognize the power of repentance. You see, you can't receive true forgiveness until you repent. This is the issue I have with people that live various lifestyles and they wonder, is it wrong or is it a sin? You see, repentance is not just feeling bad about something. It's not just saying that something is wrong. Repentance, by its very definition, is agreeing with what God says about your behavior. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says sin, all sin, destroys. There's not little sins. There's not okay sins. There's not sins that are better than the other sins. All sin destroys. And repentance is in your heart recognizing that that sin, even though you may have thought it was no big deal, even though you may have, uh, have, have gone on and it didn't really affect your life, but you recognize that that sin breaks God's heart. And so you say, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do anything that breaks Jesus' heart. 
I don't want to do anything that disappoints God. And so repentance is you saying, yes, God, I know that broke your heart. I want to turn away from it. I don't want to give in to that action anymore. And you see, when you live a life of license, when you say, I can do whatever I want and God's going to forgive me, it, it takes for granted repentance. It takes for granted the idea that you recognize that the actions that you're doing are breaking God's heart. People say, well, you know, God will still love me and I can still worship and I'll still go to heaven. You're missing out on what religion and Christianity are all about. You see, whereas religion is a formal structure to help you understand God, what we do is have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And why is it that we think it's okay in this relationship to Jesus Christ to break his heart by our actions? See, who of you that are in a marriage relationship would say, well, now that I'm married, I can go do whatever I want? You wouldn't. Even if it was permissible, you wouldn't. Why? Because of how it would affect the relationship with the person you're married to. You see, we fail to realize that sin, even though we're forgiven... Even though we have been set free, even though the slate is wiped clean, all sin has consequences. And you have to deal with the consequences. And when you live a life of license, when you just think, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, and then I'll come to church and I'll pray for God to forgive me, or I'll sing a song and feel better about myself, and then go out and live, you fail to realize that you're going to have to deal with the consequences of your behavior. Even though God's forgiven you, even though God may have helped you tear down this barrier between you and him, all of those actions left potholes in your life that you're going to have to deal with. You see, understanding freedom is not giving you a license to sin. Peter says this, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. We've been set free from sin, not free to sin. See, you and I should hate sin. Let me ask you. Let's just be honest. Not the preacher talking. This is just me talking. Do you hate the sin in your life? Do you hate it as much as God hates it? Do you recognize that that sin, whatever it is, the secret sin that you try to ignore, the the sin that you so easily give into every once in a while, do you recognize that that sin breaks God's heart, that that sin was enough to cause Jesus to go through what he went through on the cross? And does it make you sick? Or do you excuse it? Do you accept it? Do you rationalize it? You want to know why you're not seeing power? You want to know why your prayers aren't being answered? You want to know why you're not seeing God do incredible, miraculous things through you? It's because you don't hate sin the way God hates sin. Because we've accepted it. Spiritual freedom is not a license to sin. And the second thing that I want you to remember, spiritual freedom is not a license to ignore God's call to holiness. You see, God calls you and I His children. And in calling us His children, it's what we studied back when we looked at Ephesians. And in calling us saints, you remember when I, I had you stand up and say, I am a saint? In calling you a saint, God is calling you to be set apart. Holiness is not a, a crazy word. Holiness, by definition, just means set apart. God cleaned you. He washed you white uh, away from sin. He broke the power of sin in your life. He broke condemnation. Why? Not so that you could keep on living the way that you live. 
Not so that you could just keep going in the same patterns and the same behavior. He did that because he set you apart for a purpose. And that purpose is to be more like Jesus in everything that you do. That purpose is to be cleansed by him. To be, to be more like Christ to the world around you. So that people can see Jesus in you. Because that's what the church is all about. Legalism and license, they glorify themselves. They build up themselves. True liberty, true freedom will always build up a relationship to God. And that's where sanctification comes in. I, I've given this illustration to you before. But I, I hope that you, you can grasp it. When, when you are not a believer, you, the Bible says you are walking in the way to destruction. And let's just call it what it is. When you have not accepted Jesus Christ, you are headed into a selfish path that will lead to separation from God for eternity. You're headed to hell. You're headed that way. But somewhere, hopefully, along the process, God began to speak to your heart, and you listened, and by faith, you placed your hope in Him. And when you placed your hope and faith in Him, He took you off of this road that was headed towards destruction and placed you on a totally separate road. The, the term for this theologically is justification. He justified you. He gave you His righteousness that was on the cross. Because you see, there's nothing you can do in your own strength to go from this road that leads to destruction to this road that leads to righteousness. Nothing. You can be on this road and you can be a good person and you can go to church and, and you can volunteer every time and you can be sweet and you can be nice and you can be loving, but none of that stuff is going to get you off of this road because you don't have the power. The only one that has the power is God through Jesus Christ. That was the purpose of the cross. And he takes you and he places you over here. And so now you are justified. What does that mean? That means now in heaven God sees you as his child. You are forgiven and you are cleansed. But we weren't called and placed on this road so that we could lay around or so that we could wish we could get back on that road or so that we could go and act like what we did when we were on that road. You see, we were placed on this road to glorify God, to honor Him, to worship Him. And the greatest way you glorify God is to be like Jesus. And that's a theological term called sanctification. Sanctification is you, with the Holy Spirit's help, working to apply this book to your life so you can be more like Jesus. So you can learn to forgive, so that you can learn to love, so that you can learn to give peace, so that you can learn to control your anger, so that you can learn to put other people first. You are becoming more like Jesus on this path. But on this path, what we need to recognize is there are two ditches. There's a ditch over here called legalism, and there's a ditch over here called license. And so as we are in this process of trying to become more like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, we've got to be very careful not to step off. Because what it does is it sidetracks you in your relationship to God. And that process is where God calls us to a life of holiness. We are called to be different. We're called to be a light on the hill. The Bible says they will know we are Christians by our love. Not the love we had over here, by a supernatural agape love that only comes when God places his hand in our hearts. You see, license ignores the call to be holy. License, this, this false teaching tells you that it doesn't matter how you live. 
What's it matter what you do? What's it matter what you say? What's it matter what you watch? What's it matter what you think? Please yourself. Do what you want yourself to do. And that goes totally against the Word of God. Romans 13, 14 says, Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the nature of the sinful nature. 1 Peter 1, 16 says, For it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. You see, you and I need to recognize that on this road that we're called to walk, the Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit really becomes the rails. You see, God replaced the law, the Old Testament law. He replaced it with the law of the Spirit. You see, I, don't, I no longer have to obey the law that was written in stone. Now I obey the law of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit leads and guides me. That is the path to holiness. You are called to be different. But here's the key. Here's where it gets all the way back to this new series. As we're on this new path, on this path to holiness, on this path to sanctification, remember, and and here's another key, nothing from once you get on this path, nothing can put you back on that other path. Okay? You're going to fail on this path. You're going to make mistakes. You are going to go over into the gutter sometimes. But that's not going to take you and cause you to go back on this path to destruction. Because you didn't do anything to get over here. You can't do anything to get back. That's the power of grace. And so as we're walking down this, whenever we go into legalism, whenever we go into license, what we do is we say God's grace is not good enough. We abuse it. But as we're on this path and the Holy Spirit is guiding us, He's trying to keep us out of legalism. He's trying to keep us out of law. What compels us down this road is what Paul said here in Galatians. What did he say in verse 13? He says, you were set free to love. See, love compels us. It's love that motivates us. Not me. And, And I told you this several weeks ago, and we've talked about this before. You think you used to be able to love, but you really couldn't. You ever tried to pretend to love somebody that you didn't? I mean, look, let's be honest. You know, you felt like, I just need to, I need to love them. And you tried. How hard is that? How tiring is that? How miserable is that? But you see, when you got put on this road, God gave you the capacity to love others the way He does. You just have to get out of the way. And you can also love God a way that you could never love God when you were over on this other path. And the Bible says this love compels us, but here's the key, and and this is getting it all through and I'm done. Where are we going on this path? If you say, okay, God has moved me, put yourself in the shoes. This is, Rusty was headed down this path. I was headed to hell. I was going to hit it hard and hit it fast. I was living for myself. I didn't even know God cared. I tried to be religious. I went to church on Sunday. I filled out a baptism card. I got dunked probably three times thinking that was going to do it. But it wasn't until I heard the voice of God say, Rusty, do you love me? That God began to pick me up off of this path. And as I put my faith in Him, He put me on this path. And I hadn't been perfect on this path. But as I'm following on this path, I I recognize there's legalism and license. I try to listen to the Holy Spirit to keep from falling into those places. I know that this, this is me being compelled by love, but where am I going? 
Where are you going as a believer? Where, where do you hope to get to? I'm following Jesus. And that's not some ambiguous term. It's not some deep theological. Jesus lays it out what it looks like to follow him. Where does he do that? The Sermon on the Mount. For three chapters, Jesus says, this is what it looks like when you start walking down this path. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He begins to help us go where he's calling us to go. Begins to help encourage us. And then you know the beautiful part of it, and we'll get this when we get to the Sermon on the Mount. He not only tells us this is how you got to go, then he exampled what it looked like lived out. You see, you and I are called to follow Jesus. Let me ask you, who are you following? What example are you following in your life? Where are you going spiritually? You see, here's the danger. And I'm through. Listen. What happens in most believers' life is we bounce from gutter to gutter and never find balance. It's probably been true in your life. Some of you grew up in a very legalistic culture. Parents didn't let you watch TV. Any of you ever have that? You're not going to watch that. You're going to dress a certain way. Remember all your friends were wearing something and your parents said, you don't get to wear that. Turn that TV show off. Smurfs, that's from the devil. Turn it off, right? Playing that Pokemon Go demon stuff. Turn that off, right? Very legalistic. Matter of fact, the, the church is a gym stop if you are playing Pokemon Go. So uh, don't play it in here, but when you leave, you can do that later if you want to get one of those things. But your parents said, no, you can't do any of that. Turn that TV off. And you, you grew up in a very rigid, legalistic, and, and listen, I'm not saying rules are bad. I'm saying a legalistic, rigid, overboard because somehow your parents thought if they could just keep you doing this, then you would be more spiritual. And so you tried to live that legalistic life, and then all of a sudden you got a taste of freedom. And instead of just getting a little freedom, what did you do? You went wild, right? Got to college. That's when it happens for most of us. No mom and dad. Nobody turning the TV off. Nobody going to check to see what you're up to. And all of a sudden, you just go wild and you live. And you tell yourself while you're going wild, what? I know I'm not supposed to be doing this, but God loves me. And God's going to forgive me. And I need to get back in church. And everything will be okay. if I, I'm going to go church Sunday and I feel like dirt. But, you know, God still loves me, so everything's okay. And you bounce back and forth. And then you start feeling guilty. You're over here living however you want. And so you say, man, I feel guilty and I feel bad. I'm not doing what God wanted me to do. And instead of embracing forgiveness and grace, what do we do? We run back over to legalism. I'm going to add some more rules to my life. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't. And all of a sudden we start adding rules again. And instead of finding a nice balance where we are listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and understanding that we've been forgiven and allowing ourselves not to go into legalism, not to go into license, but to be motivated by love, we follow God. That's where you're called to be. Because you see, it's in that place that the power of God is released. It's in that place that the church becomes the church. It's in that place that you begin to see God make a difference in your marriage and in your families and in your school. That place. Yes, I blow it. Yes, I make mistakes. But I'm trusting God. 
and I'm following him. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Let's pray.